It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, everybody? It's Talk LP Podcast time and special edition because we have pulled in two former retail executives that now went to the dark side, which I'm calling the light side because I like you guys so much. Kevin Darnell, Jordan Rifsham, what is up? How you what doing? Up? How you what doing? Up? Okay, uh, Kevin Darnell, business development manager from Hanwha. 30 years in retail though, right? I yep, mean, that's... they plucked you out. You're almost a year in. I'm telling you, since February, it seems it's been going quick. <laughs> so joined Jordan Rifshin's team, leader retail solutions and strategy for Hanwha. But you were in retail for how long, Jordan? About 16 years. Yes, yes. So I got to tell you, I got to be honest and say, I put out some feelers to the Talk LP audience that you guys would be coming into the hot seat and they have some questions for you. Oh boy. Are you ready? Are you ready yep. to do this oh. thing? Okay. And, and what's interesting is they knew that both of you would give it to them straight because that's how that's what you do, right? Hanwha was really smart in hiring both of you, right? Because you can tell you you know what you're talking about. You're not, you know, trying to sell people stuff they don't need, which I think our audience appreciates. Just saying. Well, we're not trying to sell anything really, which is the cool <laughs> that's, thing right. that that's why I love talking to you. That's why I love you're in the hot seat, talk LP, because these questions are not easy. Okay. Because yeah. of recent news and interesting, people are very interested to know the National Defense Authorization Act. That's right, right out of the gate. We're hitting it. Is impacting the camera market and your business. What say you? Frame it up for us, Jordan. So, um, you know, the NDAA, uh, or as you said, the National Defense Authorization Act, uh, it's, it's, it's nothing new, but it, it's evolved and, and kind of escalated fairly quickly over the last couple of years. Um, and, you know, if I'm a retailer, a couple of things I want to know. Um, as you mentioned, how does it impact me? Uh, not every retailer does business with the government or takes government funding, but, you know, Kevin knows this from his many years of uh, being a retailer and and I do as well. We, we have a, a very risk averse, uh, both legal and cybersecurity team coming from the retail sector. Um, and even if we're not doing business with the government and we're not getting government funding to pay for our cameras, we want to make sure that the, the technology that we're deploying is uh, secure, is blessed, is you know uh, appropriate to be put on the network, um, number one, from a cybersecurity perspective. But even bigger than that, this, this act has uh, prohibited the sale of, of certain technology. Don't have to name names because uh, our LP folks are pretty intelligent and they know who we're talking about. Um, you know, that, that there's a certain amount of companies that are manufacturing chipsets and, and uh, other camera technology that is now banned uh, from being sold into the U.S. period, deployed, used, leveraged, et cetera. Um, as a manufacturer, you know, us, uh, our, our company took it extremely seriously before it was actually put into law uh, and started to, to really pivot uh, the technology that we're deploying to make sure that we're, we're putting equipment out there that is uh, uh, allowed to be sold into the U.S. market, whether we're talking about banking, retail, um, you know, government, of course, um, and, and, and as such, 
um, you know, if you're a retailer and you've been deploying technology that you think is not, um, you know, approved by that ban, I would start to leverage your relationships with uh, your peers in the industry to, to see what options are out there. There's, there are options out there. Uh, Hanwa is one of those options. And, you know, Kevin and I are proud employees of, of this organization. We're not the only, uh, you know, game in town that has compliant equipment, but I would definitely be a quick study if I'm a practitioner today to understand what am I putting on my network? Um, does my partner that's doing my installation actually tell me what they're putting on my network? Um, and is my cybersecurity team involved to make sure that we're doing penetration testing or network certification? Uh, those basic steps could prevent a, a potential disaster for you and your organization. Well, look, Kevin, yeah. let, let's be fair. I'm going to throw it over to you, but okay. let's be fair in the fact that there's a lot going on right now. Right? I mean, it's like, like the biggest understatement of the world. Coming out of COVID, we got labor issues. I mean, there's so many things going on. So it, there might be a few out there that go, Amber, Jordan, Kevin, what are you talking about, right? So, so you framed it up perfectly, Jordan. Heading over to you, Kevin, you talked about, okay, so you might have some people going, oh, snap at this moment, but probably, maybe not. So, so talk to them about, okay. The nightmare call. Just learning, now what? <laughs> yeah, the, what's up the, now? The nightmare call that you would get from your IT department when you're in charge of security and you right. just say, we have network traffic going to China <laughs> and uh, it looks like it's coming from the security system. You mean that? <laughs> yeah, this is where the red buzzer is gonna be going off, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta frame it up and, and Jordan did a great job framing that up and you know, you have to take into consideration that there is a lot of traffic that's in and out of your network, right? And some of the things that are non-NDAA, they're finding that this traffic is actually going back to China. So you may not even have business in China, but all of a sudden your network is, is pinging uh, China in the middle of the night. And, and you don't know exactly what that is that's actually being transferred. So yeah, that would be the nightmare call that if you got it, uh, you know, 6 a.m. saying that we just uh, we just pushed a ton of traffic to China and it came from your cameras, um, you know, and, and 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 like Jordan said, not every retailer is really going to care whether or not they're NDAA compliant. But, you know, you start thinking about the things that are overseen by the government or what potentially could be overseen by the government. We have we have customers that, um, you know, sell product and they have contracts with the federal government. And so they're selling product directly to them. And then now all of a sudden they're getting a letter stating, hey, are all your cameras NDAA compliant? And, and in some cases we're getting phone calls, like, what does this actually mean? Uh, to, to frame it up even better, some of, the, some of the retailers that are out there currently selling cameras to customers, to, to, the, to the general public, this is residential cameras. They're starting to pull them off the shelf now because they don't want to be known for actually selling cameras to the general public that are not NDAA compliant. And you know that you could Google that. I mean, it's all over the news. Just in the last two weeks, some major retailers are pulling uh, you know product off the shelf because they don't want to be associated with that. And uh, it's the when when some of these cameras were flooded into the market, um, they're great great cameras as far as the, 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 the quality, and they were giving them away. And part of the reason why they were giving them away was, was, and they were so cheap, was because the information is 
a multi-billion dollar industry when, when, when companies are trying to take in uh, as much information as possible. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a tough. What's it's a that tough saying? Product. What's that saying? If the product is free, you are the product. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, that's framed perfectly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Okay. So we've got two more hot questions, but I don't want to leave this. If you guys have any else, anything else to add, because it's definitely a hot button that people yeah. need to be understanding and it's, it is complicated. So I would say like, reach out to Kevin or Jordan, if you're like, uh, what? I mean, yeah, right? if you're, if you're listening, if you're listening to this and, and you have a question of whether or not your cameras, uh, are NDA certified, you know, feel free to give Jordan and I a call, but also partner with your, your IT department. You know, there, there's going to be things that need to be put into place NDAA or you would want an NDA put into place, right? Obviously, you don't want to start calling. It'd be like the worst thing you could do is call OSHA and ask, you know, uh, is it safe to do this, right? So talk to your IT department first. They know what they know what this act is. They should know what that is. But if you have a question, feel free to give us a call. Well, and you might get a little street cred, right? Jordan, you're walking down there knowing what you're talking about with this. Yeah. Yeah, and look, this this act hit a lot of different businesses in, in a lot of different ways. Think about yourself as a rental car agency, you know, renting cars. One of the biggest consumers of rental cars is the US government. Right. So they were impacted. Think about the hotel industry. Again, so this is not just a one size fits all approach of, you know, I'm safe, I'm good. You would be surprised if you're in retail today, what contracts you potentially have with the US government and the implications that could be in, in your organization. Again, consult your legal team, consult your cyber team. Um, read up on our website or, or just, you know, Google it for that matter. Just don't trust Wikipedia. Um, you know, but, but, you know, you, you got to become a student of the business to really understand how it's going to impact you. No, that's, that's brilliant. Absolutely. Okay. We ready? Question two coming in yes. for the veterans here. Okay. And I love this one because I get this all the time. Analysis paralysis, right? Okay. AI Artificial intelligence, for those who don't know. See, that's about as much as I know. That's why I pulled you into the hot seat. I, AI and analytics data can be super intimidating, right? But everybody wants to be the one that knows what the like most cutting edge thing is, right? So how do you introduce this to your teams? If you're the LP practitioner, I'm assuming that's their angle here. One yep. bite at a time, right? Who wants to start this one? I'll hit it off. And then I know Kevin's pretty passionate about it too. But I, I think the most important thing to, to understand here is you got to identify what problem you're trying to solve. If, if you just take it as we've got AI or machine learning is going to save everybody and everything, great. But what, what is the business case? You know, what is the application? Um, what problem are we trying to solve? Is it for burglaries? Is it for customer insights and traffic segmentation? So I think really trying to be um, a steward of the business to understand what are the challenges that myself, my team, my business partners are trying to solve? Then understand what technology is actually readily available and can be deployed to solve those problems. And then you work across your business, not in a silo, across your business to, uh, to identify ways to expand. And this feeds into something we're going to talk about later, but this feeds out ways to expand into how you can actually pay for your investment. Um, across your business and not just isolate that as a expense for loss prevention, asset protection, or security. So I think the first thing you got to do is really understand 
what problem am I trying to solve? And, and as, as you do that, then you can figure out ways to expand upon that technology. So for us, you know, you know, our, our engineers create great product in a lab. Now it's up to us to figure out how we apply that into a real world scenario. And I'll let Kevin kind of talk through some of the use cases that we're helping retailers problem solve on today. Um, it's the same thing that Kevin and I did as practitioners that we do now. We just don't have shrink, which is awesome. Yeah. So Kevin, yeah. let me ask you too, though, when you yeah. hitting up on what Jordan said too, is when you're trying to identify the problem you're trying to solve, isn't also the question and who else might be trying to solve either within your own company? Who, what's the tangential other departments that may also have a piece of this problem, right? I mean, yeah. okay, go. I love the no, use no, case you, thing. You, That's you just, big. You just stole my thunder. Oh, hell. Um, I, I think he, he I was going to say think, tangential. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I had to stop because it's a hard word, but I love this word. Yeah. I, I think uh, once I get my thesaurus here, I'll, I'll let you know. The um, I, I think the biggest thing is, is that when, depending on whether or not you're a one-man show or a one-woman show, right, or if you have an army of people, I used to get phone calls all the time from, from, uh, from vendors, or I would, I would get calls from the manufacturer talking about AI and analytics, and, and it becomes a beat drum after a while. I mean, it really does. I mean, Everybody claims they have the best analytics. Everybody claims they have the AI. But to me, when I was when I was just uh, a, a couple people in my department, I looked at it as a whole lot more work, right? And I, I, I hardly have time to do all this over here. Now, all of a sudden, I've got to analyze all this analytics. It sounds like a lot of work. And when I had an army of people, I thought, you know what? This is, sounds like a lot of training, right? So... The smart thing to do is to be able to identify the different departments that can bring value add, right? And we, we talk a lot about value engineering. Camera systems in the past were always loss prevention, always security, maybe a little bit of safety with it because of workers' compensation or general liability. But now cameras that have the AI, it's, it's, it's kind of like, like a cell phone, right? A cell phone was one thing, but now it's a small computer. It does everything. And that's what, that's what you have to look at when you're looking at AI technology and cameras or just the ana basic analytics on a camera. How can you bring value to the company that you work for? And to do that, you have to really truly value engineer. So what I always try to do is I say, listen, let's, let's put an AI camera in and then we'll take a look at, we'll knock out your stuff. We'll knock out the security and the safety side. Um, and at that point, what other areas of the company? And that's when you start bringing people in from all different areas. The last company I was at, I, our, our construction department, right? Our construct, our, our, our facilities team actually was using the cameras and we were actually getting information brought into them on new store openings. Um, with COVID that came into play, obviously we had auditors that weren't able to travel. Now all of a sudden we started value engineering that information to where we gave them access to the cameras. They were able to uh, put in the different types of analytics they were actually looking for. And all of a sudden now we started having other departments reach out to us and ask us, hey, can we put a camera over here too? And that was easy, right? I mean, how yeah. much money do you want to give me? And then at that point, you could start taking your capital investment and spreading it throughout the company. And you're actually truly showing the value of that engineering process. A lot of CFOs are going to say, that's great. Uh, how much product are you going to sell with that camera? Well, we, can, we may not be able to actually sell the product, 
but we all of a sudden we can start looking at the productivity of our of our workforce. Are we are we using the people in the best potential way that they can? So that's how that piece comes in. That value engineering is a huge huge part, not just in an ROI, right? Just just overall better business. Um, be the subject matter expert that you are when it comes to the CCTV. Um, a, a lot of companies, a lot of companies that do not have a loss prevention department, the IT department's coming in and buying cameras right now, and they're looking at the value engineer as well. So it, it's it's pretty much all across channels now. Yeah, those are some great points, and it kind of leads into our last segment, which is really talking about capital requests, right? Everyone's like, bah, bah, bah. But definitely super important. And you guys have been in that seat, right? Trying to go to your organizations and get money for something that you feel like will better your organization, reduce shrink, keep mm -hmm. people safer, whatever that is. So, I mean, you couldn't be better folks to ask, especially now that you sit on the side that you're on, is to kind of say, what can solution providers truly provide executives to, to help them with the ROI piece? And, and I think part of, the, part of it is, understanding how to go get that capital request. Like what are some things to be prepared for when you're going to ask the money? So ask for the money. So Jordan, we'll start with you and then we'll kick it over to Kevin. Yeah, you know, so Kevin Kevin has, you know, be, before he was an employee of Hanwha, he was a customer of Hanwha. And before that he was a friend of mine and a mentor of mine in the industry. And Kevin has always been a proponent of following a, a EOL or end of life life cycle management program. Um, and, you know, it may come as a shock to some LP practitioners who, who work for organizations that don't see LP equipment the same way they look at a Cisco switch um, or uh, a, a Dell server. But if you're operating your program and you're not establishing or you don't have an, a life cycle management process for your LP equipment, you're missing a significant portion uh, of, of um, you know, new technology investment that you could potentially have because your IT department manages stuff very effectively. Every five years or every seven years or every three years, in some cases, they're refreshing that technology, Amber. Um, well, and let me, let me just jump in yeah. too, because one of the things that we've seen and in, in all of these interviews that I do, you know, a, a big theme coming out of COVID and what people learned was life cycle management, right? Because once everybody had to go home and yet, and I'll use the restaurants as an example, and yet their yep. restaurants were open and then they try to remote in and then go, whoa, our stuff's not even capable of this, Bingo. right? And then couple that with supply chain and these people are screwed, right? Because they weren't on top of this life cycle management of their technology. So that is, that is a huge thing I'll just point out, you know, that we heard as a huge lesson so you're mm -hmm. spot on. Yes. Yeah. Like you didn't know that, but I just wanted to say you're spot no, on. It, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, don't wait for the brown stuff to hit the fan for you to realize that, man, we need to make an investment in our technology to help our business. We're not just going to go frivolously spend money and update our camera system or, or our, our alarm system, but you have to have a life cycle management process to understand the, the health of your system, yeah. which feeds into your security hygiene, which feeds into the well-being of your business. And it's and as Kevin and I both alluded to, it's no longer just a, an LP or security tool. It's a business tool. So the same way you want to take care of your switch or your your server, the same way you should be taking care of your LP equipment. Kevin, I'll turn it over to you. 
No, I think you nailed it. I mean, the end of life program, that is something that typically in the loss prevention industry just doesn't happen. I mean, it just, and, and Jordan said it best, you got a Cisco switch that gets switched out every every five, every seven years because of depreciation and, and they just need a new one. And it's constant. We live in a digital age that we need to make sure that we are completely up to speed. If you have a, if you have a, a break fix in a situation where your a camera goes down and you need to replace it, that's typically just a purchase, right? If it's under a thousand, it's not gonna hit your capital. And, and then it goes on, you may, you may track your warranty, you may not. One of the things Hanwha does is that, you know, we have a device manager that actually will monitor. So when you enter that system in, that, that, that integrator installs that camera, not only is it going to track your warranty, but it's going to track that particular camera all the way down to, the, to the, the thumbnail of what it's actually looking at. And then what happens is what I, what I try to help our, our, our LP practitioners out there is understand that uh, if you don't have an end of life, work with your IT department to figure out exactly what the end of life cycle is for electronics within that company. And then try to push that in there. If it's five years, I mean, if for Hanwha, we have a five-year warranty on, on, on the majority of our products through most of our integrators, right? So obviously if you let, it, let that five-year warranty go out, if you have an end of life at three years and some companies do, obviously you're not gonna wanna yank something that's still under warranty. But having, having the thought uh, going into 2022, right? Having the thought of having an end of life program that will then blanket over all of your electronics, all of your security systems, it's a critical piece. I think that, I think Amber, you said it best because of COVID, if one thing came out of COVID, it was the understanding the importance of having that life cycle managed. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's difficult. And, and it's one and of the things everyone's talking about now, right? I mean, everybody's pull. Okay. So as people are pulling out of COVID, I guess, depending on where you live, but, um, and they're talking about, okay, I'm sure within organizations, what did we learn? Right. I mean, from this crisis, if you, if there is another global pandemic, somebody knock on wood, um, <laughs> like at some point, if you have, if you're in the same boat that you were coming out, or or when the first one happened, I mean, shame on you, right? I mean, of the one of the things that you should learn is this life cycle management. I mean, it, we hear it over and over. Yeah. No, I mean, not just that, but also the monitoring of the health of the system is important yeah. as well. If you don't have a, if you don't have something in place where you can actually monitor that, you know, in some circumstances, there were a lot of companies that furloughed all their associates. And if you remember, we, we went from uh, furloughing associates or, or, or in some cases, terminating associates, not having anybody there to respond to alarm systems. And it was the camera systems, like you said, Amber, it was the camera systems that companies were actually using to go in and monitor those things because there was nobody to respond. And then we had the tragedy uh, where we all of a sudden started having riots. And you know there were a lot of stores that were being broken into, but there were no people to respond to those stores. So the, again, the, the health of the system was so critical um, to, to go, and you're right. That's, the, that's some of the big, big takeaways I think that uh, a lot of the LP folks, when it comes to the uh, you know physical security side of the business, really now is is putting uh, you know putting a lot of folks in check to make sure that they have those systems put into place that they don't run into that again. Yeah, it's one of those things. If you, if the lessons that you're coming out with are 
masks and sanitizer on speed dial, you probably need to take another look oh, for sure. <laughs> at everything that's happened, right? Yeah. Especially from a technology perspective. Yep. So doorknob confessions, that means anything to wrap this up to make sure that you have said, because I'm telling you, Talk LP audience was stoked to have you on. They're giving me these questions and said, you have to ask them these things. They were the three burning issues. But I will, okay, Jordan, we're going to hit you and then we're going to go to Kevin. Last thoughts to wrap this thing up. Uh, look, I, I think it's in all of our natures to be um, curious people and to understand, um, you know, our business is better, the risks to our business is better. And if the transition between, you know, end user and solution provider has taught me anything other than uh, I don't have overnight break-ins and burglaries anymore, um, which is awesome for us uh, personally, <laughs> is, is you got to continue to learn, Amber. And I think, um, you know, opportunities like this, and, and it's great that we're getting back to that in-person networking. Um, the, the LP professional of today is not just looking at loss prevention. They're looking at overall optimizing business, driving revenue, making that register go cha-ching. Uh, and if they're not doing that, it's going to be really difficult for them to be successful in the future. Uh, so I guess, you know, for me, it's, it's really a challenge to the folks that are now coming up in the industry uh, or looking to get into the industry out of operations or out of somewhere else in the business. Um, you know, be curious, ask questions, uh, network, talk to your peers. You know, that's how I met Kevin back in the day. We were part of a a footwear and sporting good retailer group. Um, and, you know, the, the LP professional is so open to sharing and, and asking questions and being a, a resource for others uh, that, you know, I would hate to leave this without challenging other people to do the same. Yeah, excellent closing thoughts. All right, Kevin, over to you. Uh, technology is ever changing. And that, uh, that means that you have to be as well. Uh, staying up to date on what's, what's current, is critical. Not everything in AI, not every all, every analytic that we turn on is going to be something that you may use, but be open-minded to, uh, to value engineer that product and see what other areas of the company can benefit from it. Um, and then I guess the other piece would do more with less. Um, with the ever-changing technology and the, the, the new modern way that uh, camera systems operate, um, sometimes you could replace up to three cameras with one camera. And when you're dealing with, and that's, that's also gonna save you on labor on wire runs. So be mindful of that. And if, if, you, have a, uh, if you have a great relationship with your integrator, which I'm, I'm sure almost everybody does, um, I would have your integrator give us a call. And, and, and you know, it's, it's important that we continue the education on, on the different types of technology. We were, um, sadly, you know, we were unable to do a lot of the conferences where a lot of us uh, on the end user side, when, when Jordan and I were there, we relied on NRF and RELA and, and other shows to go and educate ourselves on these different types of things. And since we've been gone from that, um, and in some cases, the show may be going on, but maybe your company won't allow you to travel. Uh, that's where you have to go to reach out to us. And, and that's where I say, challenge your integrators, have your integrators give us a call. We'll be happy to show them the new stuff that's out there, how we can help value engineer that piece. But other than that, Amber, thank you for having us on. I'll, uh, Jordan, do you have anything else there, Bob? <laughs> 
No, it's it's all good. Looking forward to getting back in front of uh, you know our friends and peers for next year. Absolutely. I know you guys can buy me a drink. Yeah. At the happy hour. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah. not? <laughs> You're in Nashville. Yeah, Why come not? to Nashville. All right. Thank you guys so much. This has been fun. I know our audience has enjoyed it. If you have or have not, you can tweet us at Let's Talk LP. Thank you so much for Hanwa for supporting Talk LP. There's more information in the show notes and how to get in touch with Kevin and Jordan. I'm sure you can also hit them up on LinkedIn. There's a little thing called LinkedIn that's super important. You can actually join Talk LP's LinkedIn group. Why wouldn't you do that? That'd be crazy. Wow, Imagine. what a plug. What a plug. Yeah, I know, right? It's a stroke of genius, this LinkedIn <laughs> thing. Uh, download Talk LP News app, loss prevention, breaking headlines. It's everything you ever dreamt of in an app. Don't you guys agree? And, oh, and, and more. And so more. more. See, I didn't pay them for that, I swear. All right, <laughs> thanks for watching. We really appreciate Hanwha for their support. And we out. See ya. All right, thanks, Amber. Cause, 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 no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.